Hey, what's up everyone? John Lee here, also known as the Property Shark, and welcome back to another episode of the On The Rise podcast. Today joining us, we have real estate superstar, Thatch Nguyen. Thatch, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Yo, 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 let's do this, baby, let's do this. I love your energy, Thatch. And, uh, you know, to get started off, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, fuck how and, and, and how that came about. <laughs> so, um, you know, I had, I had a whole bunch of spiritual teacher, right? That as I was growing up and my path, you know, I wanted to learn more about spiritual and not a, as a religion, but more of a, like a manifesting and the secrets, right? And all that kind of stuff. And uh, one of my teachers says that our job is not to try to figure out how it's going to happen. Our job is to declare what we want every day and leave the how to the universe because the universe will line it up for us. So when I started to understand our job was to figure out what we want and declare it, what we want and declare it. And don't worry about too much the how because the how will present itself when we declare what we want. Most of the time people always get stuck in the how and they never declare what they want, right? And so when I really understand that, my goal is always to throw the hat over the wall and then the how will show up and, figure, and tell me how I'm gonna get over the wall, right? And so one day I was at uh, Tom Ferry's seminar a long time ago, and I told Tom Ferry, man, these people, man, they get stuck in the how, Tom, they get stuck in the how, they need to be declaring what they want, forget the how, forget the how. And Tom said, what, what'd you say, fuck how? And then that's when the Vietnamese proverb, fuck how, came to existence. So in Vietnamese, P-H-U-C mean fuck and it mean blessing. And A-U right. is a name, right? And so I just took the C and I turned it into a K to try to be funny, right? And so now when people see fuck how, it's just a reminder, our job is not to worry about how we're gonna get over the wall. Our job is to throw the hat over the wall and the how will show up and it'll tell us how we are going to get over the wall. And that's how, that's what the Vietnamese proverb, fuck how is all about, okay? I love it, I it, love it. Part of the merchandise, right? Mindset, fuck how. We got a lot yeah. of different merchandise. And they can go to fuckhow.com and they can get all the merchandise too if they want to. Love it. I, I'm going to need to pick up some merchandise for inspiration later on for sure. Sure. Um, and um, Thatch, for, for our listeners that don't know about you, yep. um, can you give them a quick introduction about yourself? I know, you know. I, I, um, I was born in Vietnam, you guys. And um, when I was five years old, my dad, you know, he worked for the U.S. military in Vietnam. And that's when, in April 30th, this went just past recently, right? Um, the Absolutely. U.S. government and, the, and everything decided to pull out of Vietnam because the South communists was coming in to invade South Vietnam. So the U.S. government asked my dad to leave with them um, so we don't get caught, you know, in the war. My dad would be killed in the war. So we flew out on the last plane with the U.S. military. And um, I was five years old then. We came to the United States. And then we started our life here, you know, from, from scratch. You know, we had one suitcase, eight people, and $100. We lived with a sponsor, right? We lived in a homeless shelter when we got here. And then uh, Charles Zettler, the guy who worked at the, uh, at the um, uh, homeless shelter, sponsored our family of eight to go live with him. And um, we lived with him for about two years. And then we finally found our own house over in this area called uh, Rainier Valley. And, uh, and we pretty much grew up, man, just from scratch, you know what I mean? And, and, um, 
and I, you know, didn't have anything other than, you know, a roof overhead. And we started from zero from the bottom up. And that's how my whole story began. That's really humbling to hear Thatch. And from that point on, uh, you know, when, when did you discover entrepreneurship and how did you get your foot, you know, in real estate? How did that come about? Right. I think entrepreneurship started for me, man. When, when I was a young kid, right, we didn't have any money. And um, I used to uh, always read magazine and, and I see really nice stuff. And I remember I really wanted this BMX bike, right? Wow. I have really nice BMX bike, you know, nice, you know, paint jobs on it, nice spokes wheel. But, you know, those bikes were like $200 back then, which is pretty much like a damn Ferrari today. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> and uh, my mom and dad didn't have the money, so I really wanted that bike. You know what I mean? And I used to always go to the bike shop. Every time I had some free time, and I used to see these bikes hanging on the wall. And, but I didn't have the money, but I see that they sell the bike in parts. You can buy the frame. You can buy the handlebar. You can buy the goosenecks. And, um, and so what happened was, man, when I was young, I went and uh, made my own money. I went strawberry picking when I was young. I used to get on the bus early in the morning. My mom and dad would pack me a lunch. And surprisingly, man, I was like maybe 13 years old, 14. And <laughs> I, I get on this bus and they ride out to the country. I'd be out there all day, man, picking strawberry all day. And I come back. And then when I was a little older, like 14, 15, 16 years old, uh, I had two paper routes going on one time. And, and I would make my money. I was buying my bike and everything. And, um, and eventually, you know, one of the car when, I, when I got to 16, 17, I didn't have, my mom didn't have the money. So I worked and I bought my own car. And, um, and then that's, you know, that's where the entrepreneur came in. I just wanted stuff so bad. You know what I mean? That's why I always say, if people want something bad enough, they'll find a way. When you don't want something that bad, you just make excuses. And, um, and then what happened for me was I was working at a dairy manager at Safeway. I was working at a body shop. So I worked at a body <laughs> shop Monday through Friday. Yeah. From seven to like three. Then I work at Safeway. This was after I got out of college, right? I went to I went to college for aviation airplane to fix a airplane. I didn't really like it that much, but I got my degree when I graduated in '91. Uh, I uh, I didn't really really wanted to pursue it, and I was working during the time I was going to college at a body shop at seven in the morning. Um, this is when I got out of college. I was working at a body shop at seven to like two or three. I work at Safeway from like five to ten. And on the weekend, I worked at Safeway as a dairy manager, like from six in the morning to three. And then I went to park car at a Chinese restaurant from like five to 10 on Saturday and Sunday. Right? Wow. Because I got here from college and I didn't really want to go to, didn't want to pursue fixing airplane. I got my degree. I just didn't want to. I just didn't like it that much. And that's another thing I want to say to people. Don't let your parents or anybody persuade you on doing something that you're not passionate about. So one of the things about the Asian culture is that they always tell their kid, you got to be a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer, right? And if you don't like it, you need to speak up and go do what you really want to do. Otherwise, you're going to do regret and you're going to hate it. And so I was parking car at the Chinese restaurant. And one of the, my friend, her name is Linda. She was a daughter of the owner of the restaurant. They were working on the weekend with me. Um, and she was reading and studying her uh, a book to get a real estate license. Oh, and so I was asking what you read. And she said, I'm doing my, my license. He said, you should do it too, because I think you got a good mouthpiece. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And, that, and then uh, she said, yeah, you can make like, you know, a lot of money on that. And I got excited. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then when I found out you can make 7% every transaction, which is not true. Right. Yeah, well, not true. Yeah. And so that was my inspiration right there. I locked in 
And um, I went and took my test, man, and I passed it in 1991. Um, I was 21 years old, and I was the youngest agent ever hired in uh, Washington State. That's phenomenal, Thatch. And I like how you brought up the point about, you know, again, in the Asian culture, we get pressured into becoming these uh, avatar, avatars that our parents set up, set up for us. And um, I think it's great that, you know, you took a moment when you graduated to figure out that that wasn't the passion that you pursued. But while you were kind of finding your next passion, in the meantime, you were still working and keeping yourself busy and making income during that time. And I think that's really important versus just kind of sitting there or looking for a job or figuring it out, just constantly be on the move until the next opportunity comes by. That's right. That's right. And so as a new agent, when you're 21, right? Like I'm curious to, to, to kind of figure out like what you were doing for prospecting, because again, you're so young, probably don't have a lot of sales skills. Your, your sphere of influence is your friends are definitely not looking to buy. Yeah. So how did he get started? Because that's the, the, the biggest <laughs> challenge that most realtors can't overcome. Unfortunately, sure. you know, the failure sure. rate's super high. And that's a good question. So I'm going to tell you a couple of things. So when I was 21, mm-hmm. I was still very lost. And of course, I was young. Nobody was going to buy a house from a 21-year-old kid. I lived at my mom and dad's house. I didn't know nothing about real estate, right? And for three years, I just wandered around the office, right? Mm-hmm. Do open house with somebody. Right? If my dad's and my mom's friend want to buy something, I would take them in the car. And what the problem is when you're young and you're out there showing houses, right? the people uh, that know you, they usually don't really trust you. So they basically say, all right, I like to show me houses if I like it. But if I buy it, you got to give me some money. Yeah, the kickback. <laughs> right? You got to give me some money. All right? And I'm like, all right, whatever. All right? And I did that. So the first year, 91, I sold like two houses. Second year, two or three houses. Third year, two or three houses. And then in 1994, one of my friends said, you should go see this guy named Mike Ferry. He's coming to town. He's a really good salesperson. And I was hungry and I wanted to learn. So the key is you got to be hungry and you got to be coachable. If you're hungry and coachable, you're going to succeed. I was hungry. There was a lot of agents in the office that was not hungry. They didn't go to the seminar. So I paid some money to go to the seminar. And when I went to the seminar in Seattle, I was sold, man. I was like, man, this guy's going to teach you how to be a great salesperson. I'm in. And I remember sitting there. He said, in order to be a good salesperson, you got to have two things that you always got to keep improving. One, skill set. You got to know what to say, when to say it, how to say it at the right time, be effective at it. Number two, mindset. You got to keep growing this mindset. You got to keep working this brain of yours. You get it stronger, get it smarter. You got to keep working at it. And so I heard that and I was like, I really like this guy. And at that time in 1994, he was charging $300 a month. Wow. That's like somebody paying 10,000 a month for coaching today. Okay. <laughs> and I, I decided just co, you know, believe I just jumped in and I remember this, what he says, there's three ways you can find business. If you knew, or even today, one, you can sit around and wait for somebody to call you. Unpredictable, hard to duplicate results. Two, you can spend a lot of money running ads, doing billboards, right? Mm-hmm. The problem mm-hmm. with that is it's also unpredictable. Right. It's hard to duplicate because you just throw money at it, right? Number three, you can go out there and actively prospect either by doors or by phone and keep track of the number of contact you make keep track of your conversion and then improve on your conversion 
based on your sales skill, your mindset skill. And when you get good at this, this is where you can actually make a lot of money. So when I started, my average contact, John, was like 300 contacts for like one lead. Wow. Because I had no skill, I had no mindset. Right. Right. And then as the year go by, year after year, right, we will record my presentation. We record my prospect. I'll send it to my coach and then we'll listen to it. We'll critique it, critique it. And I will work on my skill, work on my closing, work on my mindset, work on my belief. And I worked at it and they got to today, you know, on average, I'm about probably 20 to 30 contacts to a lead now. That's phenomenal. See? That's phenomenal. But it took time. You sit around you folks. You got to go out there actively, actively yourself, prospect and find the customer. Either you're going to call them by phone or mm -hmm. you're going to, you know, don't off them. You can mail to them. But the problem is that you got to be able to talk to be able to see where you are short on your conversion and your sales skill. Got it. That and you know to give people an idea of how much work it took. You know you were door knocking a hundred doors a day for I a decade. You guys, a hundred doors a day. I door knock at nine o'clock in the morning until like one o'clock in the afternoon, five hours a day, five days a week, right for ten years straight. And today, I still door knock and cold call today. If you got to follow me on Instagram, you see it. That's powerful, Thatch. The, the hard work and dedication. There's no overnight success. No. It took no. you a decade to and, get and to it. And here's the thing. Just because you physically go out there and cold call and door knock, which is hard work, don't expect this because you go, hey, Thatch, I heard you did 100 doors. I'm going to go do 100 doors also, which is good activity. But the 100 door is your practice where you're practicing your script and your skill every day, and you're practicing your belief every day to know and expect it's gonna happen. And as you have to knock on a hundred door and you keep practicing your skill and your mindset, then your results get better and better. So folks, don't, don't think just because tomorrow you're gonna to go, go out there and start doing like a hundred doors a day for 30 days, you're gonna get results. The results gotta come from improving your sales skill and your belief skill as you're working on your hundred doors. And that, you know, when, when you're so young and you were kind of lost and, and kind of figuring it out, uh, what was your North Star that, that kept you focused on, on the path? Um, and also, uh, you know, when you were younger, uh, you defined wealthy as money and you were money driven. Has that definition changed over the years? Yeah. So when I was young, you guys, when I was 24, I met my fair, my number one North Star at the time is I wanted to make money. Right? I came out of Safeway making 40 grand a year and I want to make money because I like nice stuff. I live in my mom and dad's house and I want to have a nice car. I love cars. Anyone ever follow me? I love cars. And you know, I want to make money. And so my number one North Star, I want to make money and I want to prove to people I can be successful. And I also wanted to be known as the number one agent around the Seattle area. So when you're young, it's okay to have that as a North Star. As you get older, you guys, that North Star has to change. Otherwise, when you start having money, then the motivation to make more money is not going to drive you to go beyond mm. that whole thing. So if you're already making a $500,000 a year, that's the most you made. You live in a very comfortable lifestyle. And you say, oh, I want to make a million dollars a year. Well, you don't need a million dollars to live a good lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So if you have money goal, when you get past the point where you are very financially comfortable, you're not going to do more because the money goal is not going to drive you no more. Got Today, it. what drives me is to inspire and empower beings of people to reach for their goals and dreams 
and see that anything is possible by me sharing my own journey and my own experience and letting people see that if I can do it, they can do it. That's my North Star today. That's absolutely powerful, Thatch. And on that note as well, you have a, a seven level uh, to real estate where most people start off with sales and then you have the investor builders and then you flip it and then you build. And then obviously the, the, the pinnacle of that triangle is for you to own um, the rental properties and have residual income. Right. Um, I'm curious to, to find out, uh, you know, most sales agents are focused on buyers and sellers, but you brought up uh, the importance of leveraging builders and investors. Right. Um, so as a younger, newer agent, uh, you know, where do people start in terms of finding the right connections with builders and investors? So, yeah. So what I realized that I was younger and when you hang around real estate community, a realtor community, realtor community, when they see each other at convention or the office, they always want to unconsciously want to level up on each other. Oh, <laughs> how you doing, bro? How you doing this year? And really, they don't even ask you that to know how you're doing. They really ask you that so they can wait for you to go, I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, uh, let me tell you. I said, you asked. I'm doing about 100 transactions this year, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, making a million bucks this year, right? They do that shit, right? And they really want to brag. The problem is, if you become the biggest guy in your area and you're making good money, but in the big world, making a million dollars selling real estate, it's not that big of a deal anymore. Okay. And so where you want to level up and start making some real money is you got to go beyond, right? Selling real estate because selling real estate is just a vehicle to finance your lifestyle and finance rental property for long-term wealth. So I teach people, teach selling real estate, the next level above real estate, right? The progression is to go find property that real estate investors like to buy. So if you were an agent in your area, if I was in your area, I would be prospering. Now, I gone to Vancouver, BC many times. When I'm driving through Canby Road or, uh, or um, uh, um, uh, some of the big row up there, and I see a couple Asian realtors who literally have all the listing on the street for all those land development. And those agents are the ones who actually found those houses, no understand zoning, and they're selling all those property to the builder. Mm. So they, they basically double ending the commission to the builder. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how Vancouver worked, but in Seattle, if you bring the land to the builder, they're going to give you all the list backs. Got it. So I'm assuming that that one Asian girl that's up there, she got a lot of listed for Remax, right? Mm -hmm. And she's doing that. So if I was in your area, I'd be finding property, what investor look for. And so if you know an investor that buy houses, when you have lunch with them, you ask them, hey, what do you buy? What are you looking for, right? Mm -hmm. If I find it, right? If I bring it to you, are you still open to buy right now? Good. And when you turn around and sell it, right? After you fix it up, can I have the list backs on it? Wow. If, you want the, if I get the list back, I go out there and find you some deal and I bring it to you. Now, every investor will say yes, yes, yes. Because you know why? They want more salespeople on the street finding them deals. And what yeah. happened when I started was, that's how I did it. I went and found a bunch of guys that was out there flipping houses. But every time I see a new listing, I was like, wow, that house is a nice remodel. And I found out who did it. Ah. Right? And, and, uh, and then I'll ask them what they're looking for, what they buy. And I knew what they're looking for and buy. So as I was out there door knocking, John, I go, oh, shit, this is a fixer. Right? And then I will actually, instead of putting it on the market, I will go and sell it off market 
straight to the investor. Mm. And the seller's happy, they got a good price because they didn't want to go in the market as a fixer. Mm-hmm. And then the investor's happy because they got a deal off market. I double end the listing on the front end. And then when he got done, he gave me the list back. And what happened, I didn't know a lot about investing then. So all I was doing was being a realtor, finding deal, selling them to builders and investors and getting all the list backs. And I did that for about two years. And in that two year, I used to always go to the site and I would see the contractor. I would see the investor. I would see what they did. They would tell me what they're doing. And I learned a lot from that. You see what I mean? Mm. And then they remember, they still need me because I don't think I would bring the deal. So as I was making money from selling to builders and investors, getting all the list back, working my database, I was making a million bucks a year. And now I had money, I had knowledge, and I had the guy who found the deal. The next time I found a good deal, I kept it myself and I actually fixed it and flipped it myself. And then from there, I did new construction, yeah. right? And then of course, I kept stacking my rental, right? And then at a certain point, I will start paying off those rentals so I can start getting those cash flow. That's powerful, Thatch. And, and so I, I like that. You, you, to give you know, the, the new realtors listing some ideas on how to approach this, you'd find a home that was kind of remodeled and then you would kind of go after it and, and, and try to figure out who's the person behind it right. and then connect with them that way. That's right. That's amazing. And Thatch, uh, from that point of learning those skills and eventually you found a good deal and you had the money saved up to invest in it. Uh, what would be kind of your point of view, I guess the, the modern way uh, or the modern game plan that you would approach real estate investing if you're a, a young new realtor? Yeah. So, you know, back then you guys, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so how I used to buy rental property was I would buy a property that was pretty much 99% already moving condition. The only thing I would do in there, maybe put some paint job and put a carpet in it. Right. And let's call it, $500,000 house, right? Mm-hmm. And in order to cash flow a house like that, right? You probably have to put down probably 25% down because you have enough, so you have enough equity. So you borrow less money. So mm-hmm. the mortgage will be low enough so that you can rent it out to somebody. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, everyone knows, and they don't know, let me tell you, the deal is in the buying. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's more in the buying than in the selling. Okay. So when you buy a property 500,000, you move your 25% from your bank account over to this rental. You don't really have equity. The equity is your, is your down payment. Right. That money sat in the bank anyway, So you didn't create any value. Right. Mm. So yes, you owe less, but the reason why you owe less because you already have the down payment to it. Right. And then I'll rent it out. And then I have to wait until that appreciate go up and up and up and up and up and up. Right. And then that's where the true appreciation is. I call that the traditional way of buying rental property. Today, what I realized is that if you want to buy rental property and you want to buy in good, the idea is to go buy a set of property that needs some work. Okay. And need fixing, it need more than carpet and paint. Okay. Blow out the kitchen, blow out the bath. When you can do those, you're going to pay less for that. Mm-hmm. So let's just say you buy it for 500. You might have, you know, you might have to put some money down on it when you buy it mm-hmm. and rehab it. But when you get done, this $500,000 property could be worth seven, eight, $900,000, right? Wow. Yeah. And then now you create value with the money you put in it. If you have enough equity in it, when you refinance it, put in a 30 year fix, you might be able to get a lot of your down payment back out. 
So you actually, at the end of the day, you don't have to invest that much in that rental property. And mm -hmm. you have instant equity in this property. And today, that's how I buy all my rental property. I call that the BRRRR model, B-R-R-R-R. And it's going <laughs> to buy it as a fixer, okay. rehab it, rent it out, refi it, get your down payment back out, right? Leave the equity in there mm -hmm. and then take that same down payment and then repeat the process and recycle it and do it again. And if you did that, you can, if you do two of those, if you can recycle your money twice, you can do two rental a year with the same amount of money. That's powerful. That's so powerful. Um, and, and that's, you know, like for personally for me, right? Because like I live in Vancouver, Canada and yeah. you know, we have a lot of agricultural land and, and a lot of building restrictions and, and there's the, the housing prices are, are quite higher, higher. Like significantly higher than Seattle. So an average fixer upper, you'd probably be looking at maybe 850 right. to nine with, with an unfinished basement or needs a lot of work or whatever. Uh, from your point of view, you know, if you live in, in the more expensive city, is it still the boat, the most ideal case to save up to flip um, and fix up a single family home or, or what are your thoughts on investing in condo units? Cause that's a, you know, I'm curious to see your take on that as well. To me, your area is very high in demand for condo. So Seattle is not that great in condo, meaning it's great, but it's not as dense as Vancouver. It's mm -hmm. not as dense as Taiwan, right? Hong Kong, right? Yeah. Vietnam. So condo medium are very popular in those area because it's, it's the norm, right? So it comes down to the number. If you can buy a tired condo unit, rehab it and you create it instant equity it's mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. at the end of the day you got to see what can you get for rent for this when it's done so let's use for example that house you say you, if you call eight hundred thousand to buy the fixer right mm -hmm. unfinished basement if you finish that house with a and finish the basement out what would that house be worth when it's done in in your area Eight, uh, 800, then you're probably can probably get it for nine or okay. 950. Okay, let's say you get it for nine and you put yeah. in how much? 100,000 100, to rehab it? Sure, yeah. So now you're in it for a million. Mm -hmm. What is it worth when it's all finished? How's like that? That's a, um, at least a million for sure. No, listen, if it's a fixer, okay, 900. Okay. You put in a hundred thousand to rehab to make it all remodeled. Oh, what would an all remodel house could sell for if it's all done? If it's then it looks like it's brand new, so that'll be you're looking at 1.2. Okay, so right there, you just made two hundred thousand equity right there. Oh, I see. Got it. Yeah. Because if you buy it for nine hundred, it's a fixer. Yeah. Right. If it wasn't a fixer, someone would pay more for it, right? Absolutely. So if it, you buy for nine, you put in a hundred grand, you're in it for a million. Mm -hmm. But when you get done rehabbing this whole house all brand new, you think you can sell for at least 1.2 million? Mm -hmm. So you make 200 grand. Now let me ask you a question. How much can a house like that all remodel rent for? Because you can rent out the top and then the basement. Basement, if it's a two bedroom, probably 1,800. And then okay. the top, 
uh, floor, if it's a two level, probably 2,500, 3,000. Say 3,000, 3,000 plus 1,800, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what, uh, almost 5,000, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So on a mortgage, 1.2 million, the mortgage on that is probably only probably um, 1.2, uh, 1. no, well, $1 million loan amount, your mortgage on that will probably be around, uh, with everything, probably uh, 3,500 bucks. Got it. Right? Mm-hmm. Right now, yeah. So all in, you probably be around, you know, four thousand, forty five hundred. But you run five, so you cash flow with no money at the end of the day, because you can finance one hundred percent of that money. Right. So right. this is the thing that I do every day in Seattle. I do from single family property. I do through multi family property. So the whole key is you got to understand numbers. You gotta understand your market. You gotta understand mm -hmm. what it can sell for when it's done. What is it, how much it costs to rehab. You gotta understand what rent is. When you understand that, then you can play either in the single family set or you can do it in condominium. It works the same way. As long as that you're, you're positive cash flowing after everything, yeah. right? And That's the whole point. Find, you gotta be able to find the deals. Got it, Thatch. And, and so I think the, the, the key takeaway for listeners is, you know, to think, as an investor, because I think you mentioned that too, you don't want to think of yourself as an agent because you're, you, you don't want to be rich only because then you're tied yeah. to that job of making money. To thing, if you are a realtor, how you run, how you evaluate deals is you just do market analysis on what the home is worth. Right. Just because you're a realtor and you understand how to do market analysis does not mean you understand what is, you don't, you, that doesn't mean you understand if a house is all fixed up that you understand what it can be worth ARV. Mm -hmm. You're a realtor, you do a CMA, did that mean you understand how to, what it costs to rehab a house mm -hmm. or what rent costs in the area? Mm -hmm. A realtor is trained to do one thing, to do market analysis. Mostly right. on houses that's already nice. But the yeah. moment the house is messed up, they don't know how to evaluate it. Okay. Right. <laughs> and then the other thing about being a realtor, see being a realtor or having any job, you guys, you're trading your time to go make money. Mm -hmm. And if you do well, we call that being rich. You're being rich in the now, trading your mm -hmm. time for money. But being wealthy is when you trade your money for time. So you mm -hmm. go do things that you love to do, that you always wanted to do, and you didn't have the time to do it because you were too busy working back then, right? So when you get to the point where you're wealthy, you trade your money for time, you can go out and travel more, Donate more time to charity, spend time more with your kids, right? Be it at the baseball practice, baseball game, right? Mm. You'll do things that you really have a passion for. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that you don't ever create wealth. You will never have the time to ever enjoy yourself. You're going to work until you die. Warren Buffett says, if you don't find a way to make money when you're asleep, you're going to work until you're old and you're going to die. So you never, you will never, you'll always trade your time for money. So you yeah. never, never gonna have any time to ever do the thing you really love to do. Got it, Thatch. And from your point of view, uh, as a realtor, how should they approach it? Do they focus on finding the deals and getting it uh, to the developers and builders, or do they find a deal, uh, or do they build a relationship with investors first? Sorry. So is it to find a property to attract potential investors, or build relationship with investors first and then find a deal? How would you, how would you approach that? Yes. 
So first of all, the realtor, every day they should not take the gas pedal. They should not take the foot off the gas pedal on working their buyers in the seller and your yes. speed. You don't stop that because you got to eat. Because when you sell any property, invest in builder, it takes months before it come back to you. Okay. So you keep selling real estate. And then if I was new, I was out researching and previewing property. If I see a list hit the market that looked like it's been a remodel home, I will go preview all these houses. If you see a small builder who built a single family home or a duplex, a triplex, a fourplex, when they have open houses, right? Go look at it. Mm -hmm. And then if you like their product, research to find out who is the owner of these projects. Reach out to them, go take them to lunch. And the script used to say is, hi, my name is John. I'm a real estate broker. I work with a lot of investor and builder in this area. I noticed you own, you did this project on this street, this street, this street. I really love what you've done. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to take you to coffee and talk to you about what is stuff you buy in because I'm out prospecting because if you are still looking for property, I'd love to bring it to you. Wow. And they, and they'd be like, okay, let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so when you start to find out what they look for, I look for this, 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 which is a lot of time it's going to be either fix your houses or tear down property. Got it. Right. And as you are out doing what I call drive for dollar, right. You start to notice every house that's tired, grass are tall mm. or abandoning in the front yard. Roof mm. got moss on it. Those are the people you want to stop, go door knock them, ask them, do they want to sell it? And then you sell those property to investors. Love it, Thatch. That's the, the blueprint to, to success as a modern People, agent right there. But you got to be hungry and you got to be coachable to keep learning this stuff. Got it, Thatch. That's amazing. And Thatch, uh, you know, how, how are you adjusting the COVID? Uh, and, you know, what are some things that you're doing differently? Because, you know, definitely this is something that in your 30 years in real estate, you've gone through uh, the 08 crisis. You've gone through the, the one in 19. Uh, 90s, early 1990s. Uh, but how are you just into this one? And uh, you know, any words of encouragement or advice for people? Uh, based on checking out all, listening to all the different economists, a lot of my really seasonal investor all around the states, mm -hmm. that nobody feel that this uh, pandemic is going to be this equivalent to the 2008 market. 2008 market in the States was really bad, right? We had a probably 20, 30%, you know, decrease in value in wow. certain area. Mm -hmm. Everybody's saying we are going to see anywhere between a five and 15% in this uh, recession. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and, um, and it won't be like 2008. So that's the good news. Then the second thing is that, Right now, the real estate market, I'm sure you probably noticed, interest rates low, buyers out there buying again because now they're opening thing up again and buyers want to take advantage of that. The problem is that a lot of seller who live in their house, who is a little scared to put the house on the market during these times, they're the one who gonna need a little more time to get the house on the market. Someone mm -hmm. who really, really need a sale and they live there, they will do it and they will adjust their lifestyle to get the house sold. Got it. And then the one that actually uh, house is vacant, they have no problem putting it on the market. 
Absolutely. So right now, as a real estate for me, um, I'm calling all my database and I'm actually been sending everyone in my database a mask. Oh, a fuck okay. how mask? No, <laughs> uh, 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 the surgical mask, right? Yeah. I bought like thousands of them. To wow. Security and, and, and then my database. So I just been calling my dad to check us how they're doing. And then just like, hey man, you need masks, I'll send you some. So I've been sending masks to a lot of people just to stay in touch with them, just to see how they're doing. I right? love it. Not because I'm prospering for business, but just to see how they're doing. Just to be there for them, such in a time like this. That's it, okay? Uh, and then the second thing I'm doing is that, and I'm out co-calling property that I have identified as fixed upper and teardown. Mm. So I love I'm, it. I'm calling and, um, and um, I just got somebody last night that they want to sell and it actually be something that I want to buy myself. So that's we are, awesome. I'm negotiating it, buying it from the owner and myself right now. That's awesome. If I didn't like it, I would just sell it to a builder, a friend of mine, so that he can buy it. And then I'll get the commission in the front and I'll get the commission on the list back later. So you can't lose that. <laughs> You're winning. You're on the winning streak. That's why when you go out there and find the deal, you either got to buy yourself or you're going to list it mm. and lose if you're prospecting. Got it. Got it. So the key is to find out those deals. I think it's, it's important to, to be clear on what you're looking for because yeah. a lot of people, they just, they pull out a phone book and they start calling everyone, but you got to be strategic. You, Don, if you're in Vancouver, figure out the city in the area you want to work. And during these time right now, you should be doing drive, driving for dollars. Love it. Okay. Even yeah. condominium, look for the old condos, mm -hmm. right? Call you, call your title company, ask them to give you, uh, in a, in a, like you say, Hey, this, this say there's a building that's 20 years old, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know how old you are. Some of your building is, let's say the oldest building you can think of from, from where you live all the way over to, I don't know, uh, uh, Siri or something, right? Yeah. Look for the old building and ask the title company, give me all the owners in that building that own that property since day one or 10 year, right? And they're absentee owner. They own it as investment property, mm. right? Because why? Because if they own it more than 10 years, they have equity in them. Number two is the old building is a rental property. They might be like, hey, I, I'm tired of owning this property. I want to upgrade. And then you call those people and then you um, write letters to them, whatever. And Love ask them it. to sell, and if they want to sell, you can sell it to your investor who want to fix and flip, or someone who wanted to buy and live in it. That's brilliant, Thatch. That's money right there. Wow, so much value. And Thatch, you know, why do you do what you do, man? You you have so much going on. You're busy. You have family. You have business. You're building. You're doing real estate, and you're still giving back. So, you know, why do you do what you do, and and what's what's your legacy? Yeah. So for me, man, is that. First of all, I'm 49 years old and um, I don't feel old, right? You I look young, old. man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. you know what I mean? You look young. Let's go. Right? Age thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and um, I don't like sitting around. You know what I mean? I'm a creator. You know what I mean? And I love to create, right? I love to expand. Tony Robbins said a long time ago, right? You want to live the life of Kanai. Constant, never-ending improvement, right? Yeah. C-A-N-N. Uh, 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 I, right? Can I? And so that's what I've been, you know what I mean? I just constantly keep wanting to learn and I could want to keep increasing my goals and dream. And for me, as I, I'm on my journey going to my next destination, right? I'm chasing after my goals and my next dream. 
I want to share my journey with other people to inspire them to say, hey, man, if I can do it, if I'm still doing it at my age and at my wealth, y'all shouldn't be lazy, man. Right? You can be inspired <laughs> so they can keep doing it. So my legacy, man, is inspired and power beings of people to reach for the goals and dream to see that anything's possible. That's beautiful, Thatch. And thank you for all that you do. Uh, you also have a coaching program, right? The 5X and... That's right. I have a coaching program where I teach real estate agent and wholesaler how to basically reach the end game. The end game everybody want to be at. Because one of the things that I always, every time I do a seminar, I always ask people, why did you originally get into real estate? Mm -hmm. And everybody will say, I'm getting into real estate for two reasons. One, my because I want to leave a legacy for my family. All two, right. I want to have enough passive income so in the future, I can work when I want to work, where I want to work. So mm -hmm. the end game, what I know, everybody wants a legacy and passive income, but they don't really know how to get there. So in the mm -hmm. coaching program, I have two products. It's a system where I teach people, if you want to get here, you got to learn to learn how to crawl and walk. And the crawl and walk, you got to learn how to figure out what type of property you should go after, mm -hmm. the script, how to evaluate deals, right? how to buy property, how to assign property. So I teach them all this in the system. That's called mm -hmm. the 5X system. And then the second program is a weekly coaching call. It's a mastermind that every week for one hour, they're on the call with me and my partner and masterminding how to actually move them along so they get to the end game. And I make it super affordable. It's a thousand dollars for the system one time. Then to be in the mastermind group, an hour every week is 150 bucks a month. You can't find coaching that cheap, especially for a guy that's living it and breathing it every day. And there's really nobody out there that teach people how to move towards rental property. All the gurus you got here out there that preach, they teach about fix and flip. Right. Nobody teach about fix and hold. Yeah. And, and is, is there a reason for that, Thatch? Because you know, yeah, you, the, you, the, guru, the guru without teaching you how to fix and flip because they go to the city and they take everybody I can teach you how to, you know, fix the flip with no money, no credit. And all they're doing is they have these guys pay for this system. And then they have all these armies of people in their city go out prospecting for them. So when they find them, they call the guy who ran the seminar, right? Like Fortune Builder. Hey, mm. bring it back to me and we'll buy it. Mm. We have instant, we have money to buy it. We buy it. And so they got all these thousands and thousands of guys on the streets and gals finding property to bring it back to Fortune Builder. And then they buy it. And when they buy it, then they cut them a referral fee. Right. And that's how you can make money in real estate with no money, with no, with no credit. Yeah. <laughs> they, they call it wholesaling. They wholesaling it to Fortune Builder. The Fortune Builder will buy it and then give them back some money. And so why we got fixed and flip? Because these guys want to make money. And mm. then the way how they can get a lot of deals all across America, they go do seminar. And they roll all these people all across the United States to find them deals. The <laughs> problem with these people, they make a little small assignment fee, but the problem is they still don't have wealth at the end of the day. Right. They don't have equity in, in the homes. They're a realtor, right? Mm -hmm. Realtor, mm -hmm. they sell real estate. They never have wealth because they never own anything. Wholesaler, they just wholesale helps. They never own anything. A flipper, they just flip, flip, flip. They never own anything. The real wealth is owning so you can actually trade your money for time. Love that, Thatch. And, and how can people get in touch with you to be inspired by you? 
Um, or if they want some merch, you know, some fuck how merch or, or to know, learn more about the coaching, where can people connect with you no and, and talk and to you? I just go on my Instagram. My Instagram, my handle is thatchwin. This is my name, right? If you got to follow my Instagram, when you get to my Instagram, on my bio, there's information about the 5X, there's information about the fuck how merchandise, and then there's information about basically, uh, um, you know, uh, all the different things that I do. You can see all of it on my bio. I love it. And you're also doing, you do Instagram lives. You know, you, you bring on various I do Instagram live Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 12 to one o'clock. And I interview people who are realtor or investor that all want to pursue owning rental property. And a lot of people I, own, that I interview already own one of them. They have started from being a realtor, right? And they work their way owning rental today. And I want to highlight people who are owning rental more than people are just fix and flip because there's a lot of people that's like that. When you interview me and I tell them, you don't, you fix and flip, bro. You don't own any <laughs> rentals. So I can't interview you. I'm interviewing highlighting people to own rentals. That's what um, I want to encourage people to do. I love it, Thatch. I love it. You're, you're a man on a mission and you're so giving and caring and kind and you know, you've come from nothing. So it's, it's absolutely humbling to, to see your story and hear about your success and, and to know that that overnight success took decades in to, to, to get to where you are. Um, if you could go back in time to when we were 21, uh, what's that one piece of advice you would tell yourself, you know, to wrap things up here? One, make sure you guys find a mentor or coach on your journey to where you're going. Okay. Two, right. Be hungry and keep learning and live the Kanai life. And then three, right. Is, um, go out there, you guys, and always, um, Think bigger than what you already can do, right? Don't let your ego go, oh man, I'm the best realtor right now. You know what I mean? Uh, 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 and then you get stuck in your own box and your own story. So hang out with people that do well, right? Listen to them, be, you know, think, think bigger, think outside the box, stay hungry, right? Keep, and then keep learning. That's the biggest key. And that's what I have blessed. I, 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 you know, I was exposed to that. You know what I mean? The problem people are, if, they, if you're the biggest dog in your village, you never go outside your village. Yeah. Love it, Thatch. Thank you again for your time and being on the podcast. I'm really grateful for you. And uh, let's keep crushing it, brother. All right, my friend. Have an awesome day, you guys. Dream big, man. Remember, fuck how. Fuck how. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Bye, Thatch. Peace out.